Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is July 15, 2016, and today we're reading from the AA Big Book, and we are on page 83, the second paragraph, and spiritual life is not a theory. We'll read through two paragraphs, ending with, as God's people, we stand on our feet, and we do not crawl before anyone. We'll read the first paragraph for context, and we'll focus our comments on the second paragraph. Today's readers are um, Esther F., who'll read the 12 steps, Iris G., who'll read the 12 traditions, and the readers for the main text are Nancy H., Irene M., and Katie G. Uh, The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, July 14th, we don't have that as of yet, but we'll keep you informed, and hopefully before the end of this recording, we'll have that number for you. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeater Synonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and I pass. Okay, thank you. Um, I will now ask Iris G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Iris G., a recovering compulsive reader from New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest, money, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Past. Okay, thank you. How our meaning works. Our meaning focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meaning does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, the AA big book, and we are on page 83, the second paragraph, the spiritual life is not a theory, Through, um, and we're going to read through two paragraphs ending with, as God's people, we stand on our feet and we do not crawl before anyone. We'll read the first paragraph for context only, and the second paragraph we'll read for context. And I will now ask, um, will today, um, I'm sorry, I will now ask Nancy H. to begin reading. Good morning. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a, do- a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We, see, we send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. 
We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our own feet. We don't crawl before anyone. Well, this is Nancy H., a grateful recovered compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. Thank you, Drew, for doing service by facilitating our meeting this morning. This all seems overwhelming when thinking about it, making these amends, especially direct face-to-face amends. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right, they say. Um, we don't get a second chance, for instance, at raising our children or getting back a marriage that we've divorced from or erasing the harm we might have done years ago. Um, some people take, uh, take back, you know, we can't take back things we've said. Some people we may not be able to see. In my case, um, I tried to make a financial restitution for a, a wrong done, and um, that turned out I had carried it on my shoulders for many years, and it turned out that the the uh, agency wanted me to put the matter in probate court. So another member and my sponsor agreed that the way to amend the wrong was to arrive at an amount with God and donate to an agency that performed similar services, and that's what I did. It, it was an amount that hurt, but I felt free of that wrong ever since. And some people are, have gone, you know, passed away years ago, so we can't meet with them. Um, let's see. In making amends, you know, it says here we're not servile or scraping, and that means humble or cringing. So in my case and in other cases, they suggest that we um, we go to the person humbly with dignity and confidence, and I went with God by the hand, and we ask that we be forgiven. Um, you know, we don't crawl before anyone, but we try to make right the wrong that we've done. And so I state my own part. You know, we're, we're told to state our own part, which means how are we selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, afraid, and inconsiderate. Then we ask if there's any other harm we could apologize, we should apologize for. Um, I personally went to 81 people, places, and institutions, and I didn't have one bad outcome. In a, in a case of husbands and wives, I had to make amends to them separately, and that was kind of... It felt kind of uncomfortable asking them to meet with them individually when they're both in the same house, but it worked out. Um, a lot of people, not, not too many people refused me, but a couple people I couldn't uh, locate, and so I ended up uh, writing them in, uh, three letters that came back, and now I'm standing ready in any case to do the amends if, it, the, you know, as it says here, if the opportunity presents itself. And making direct amends whenever possible, uh, that was really hard for me. I would rather call someone and talk to them on the phone than face them face to face. And um, so we don't feel, you know, shame. We go out and see see the person and we go on our own way. Uh, we do the best we can, in other words, to make amends. It says as God's people, we stand at our own feet. And, you know, many times a person would state the wrongs they had in the situation, but it didn't really matter how they accepted it. I had cleaned my side of the street. So if I want that spiritual awakening as described on page 27 and in Appendix 2 on page 567, I must take this step to the best of my ability, not shying away from any harm done in the past. So I'm very grateful that I've performed this step and done the work, and I'm starting to see the promises. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share and do service. Thank you, Nancy H. Um, we will open it up for sharing. Um, who else would like to share? 
I heard Bella G. I heard Katie G. Who else? Sue G. Kimberly L. Kimberly L. I heard someone after Kimberly L. Maureen M. Maureen M. Yes. Okay. All right. Why don't we take those five and then we'll open it up again. Um, Amy G. Sorry. You know, I was I was missing someone. <laughs> okay, so I have Bella G, uh, Katie G, Sue G, Kimberly L, Miriam M, and Amy G. A lot of G's today. Okay, so we're going to um, start with Bella. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Do, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. As God's people, we stand on our feet. Yes, thank you, God, that now that I am in the program and I am living the 12 steps one day at a time, I am connected to a loving and accepting power. I am no longer connected to my ego. And by being connected to a loving power, yes, I accept and admit that I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. And none of us is perfect either. And today my direction is not to be, uh, to have the fear of being judged and being blamed. And today, by being connected to a loving power, I am taking responsibility to my own life. And by being responsible, yes, I, I feel the strength to be able to say, well, in the past, I had different beliefs and different way of thinking. Today, by being connected to the higher power, I, I, I don't have the fear, the anger to leave the present. I am not running away from the present. And today, this is my freedom to be able to say, well, in the past, this was my way of behaving. Today, I am changing. Today, I change my way of thinking. Today, I change my beliefs. Today, I am able to take responsibility and to change and to say, well, I did a mistake, and it's okay because I am not f- perfect, and I am connected to an accepting power and today, I, am, I have the strength to say, well, I am ready to change my behavior. And it's okay, because I am connected to a loving power that accepts me the way I am today. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you. Uh, Katie G., you're up. Hey, do may I be heard? Yes, you can. Awesome. KG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, setting my timer in Boston. So I guess what really struck me this morning is, um, so my disease will use any opportunity to show up, right? So um, I first did a very long process of resentment work and then amend work, obviously going through everything I'm missing. But anyway, I think I had like a hundred and something 
And um, I really got an ego, right? Like, I was like, yeah, like, I'm going to make these amends. And um, I became, what a surprise, KDG Ego from Boston trying to, like, demand, like, I'm ready. What's your problem? Why are you not showing up? I need you to let me make an amend because this is, I'm going to eat if you don't let me make this amend, right? And, like, if you're hearing the ego, there was. So what it was is God really teaching me, like, Katie, you've got to be ready, Okay, and then I am going to be in control. And when I um, hit my head enough and finally like opened up, many things happened. I didn't make an amend from to my mom for two years because God was in charge of that, and she wasn't ready. And she said that to me. I don't do drive-by amends. I don't plow into people, right? Like um, I gotta set an appointment if they're willing to meet with me when it's appropriate. And God would put people in my life. Like all of a sudden, I remember this guy. And um, I was totally rude to him and tried to find him for like two months. And then I'm studying one time and I walk in and who's there but this man? Because God is in charge, guys. We need to be willing and then God is in charge. Another thing I wanted to comment on, I'm not going to be servile, right? Like I'm not going to act like a slave. I'm not going to go to my fiance and say, oh, my God, I am such a bad person. Like I just like and get on my knees and say, you know what? I'm the worst fiance in the world because, again, KDG from Boston, ego moving in, right? What my sponsor has taught me is I am a beautiful woman inside and out, and I am worthy of recovery. And humility is seeing myself as I really am. So going to him and saying, looking him in the eye and saying, I was wrong. I apologize. I acted out and was engaging in these controlling behaviors. And I imagine if I were you, I would feel completely emasculated. And I'm deeply, deeply wrong. And I want to make this up to you. Um, and so that's why it's so helpful to help other recovered, to have other recovered women teach me, how do I talk amends? And then more importantly, how do I live amends? How do I actually do my amend, which means not showing up the next day and controlling? So I can't be perfect. I can't control this. God's in charge. And I'm going to continue showing up for this beautiful, amazing God-directed process for one more day. And with that, I pass. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and Suji, you're up. Thank you. This is Suji from Michigan, recovered. Um, I put the two things together. You know, um, we should be sensible, tactful, and considerate and humble. Uh, without, and I, I'm imagining being scraping because uh, there was a time when I was very scrapey with my kids, and I made amends for that. But also to realize that as God's people, we should have no fear and we should be able to come boldly before that person, knowing that that God's going to give us the words. And um, so being humble, but not crawling and saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, And there's a difference. There's such a difference between those two. Um, can be sensible, which means we don't crawl. Tactful, we don't crawl. Uh, but we want to do those things without 
being like a little worm crawling about, oh, woe is me, I, I did such a bad thing, and and um, I treated you so badly and that. But to but to, to speak up and to just calmly present, you know, what we've done and, and how we intend to make things different. And so um, I like that phrase because, you know, God's people don't have to bow before anybody. We only bow before God. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, um, CG. So Kimberly L., you're up next. Good morning. This is Kimberly L., Recover Compulsive Overeater from Georgia. And the sentence that I want to hone in on is, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. Because my MO is to go and say, you know, I'm so sorry that I did this with the motivation that I want them to like me. So I want to please them. I want them to like me. I want to manipulate and change the way that they think so I can feel better. And what I've been taught with these amends, and I'm in the thick of it right now, um, making these amends is one, I never do it without running it past my sponsor. So going over exactly what I'm going to say. So I don't come across as being inconsiderate or blaming that I get my words right. And then I talk to my recovered network. And then I also, right before I go in to do my amend, I sit quietly and I pray for humility and I pray for God to speak through me. And I have to say, it's just an amazing process. Um, I did, however, make an amend in the last couple of weeks. And I said something um, that was manipulative during the amend. So this is a learning process for me. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, this is going to make her feel bad. And this is exactly what it's talking about, that I'm trying to manipulate the situation. Um, And so it was a learning experience for me. Um, But this sentence that popped out at me is just so appropriate for where I am today and is exactly what I need to do. I need to be considerate and humble. I need to be considerate of them and not say anything that's going to further damage them. And I need to be humble and ask for God's will and for his strength and for his presence while I'm doing that. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Miriam M., you're up. I think it's Maureen. Maureen, sorry. No, you're no up. problem at all. Um, thanks, Stu, for your leadership here. Um, my name's Maureen, recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And... Um, I love this. I love the um, the balance this paragraph uh, presents to me because I'm not balanced, which is why I need the 12 steps. Um, I'm very impatient. I want to fix things now and I want to control. And those are my character defects. And it, for me, being sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. 
as God's people, I stand on my feet. I don't crawl before anyone. Um, for me personally, the prior eight steps, the work that was done there, particularly in, in three and seven, just make me feel like I'm one among many. I'm in a I'm in a place where I'm peaceful about this process. Um, it's difficult because I didn't get some of the responses that I thought I would get, and I got some responses that I was not expecting. So it's it was an interesting process, but it still turns me right around to God and to saying I'm not in charge, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm just, a, I'm just a soldier here, whatever you want me to do. And the reason why I'm doing it is to clean house so I can be able to help others. Um, I can help others if I'm not being sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble, um, or servile or scraping. And I'm not being humble if I don't feel like I'm one among many and that God is in charge. I don't have to be God. I'm done with that job. I made a mess of things trying to do that job. Um, it's such a peaceful feeling to know that this process works. And there are some people I couldn't make amends to right away. And that was kind of frustrating. And there it is right there. I had to learn patience. Um, God brought those people to me and the timing was just absolute perfection when it happened. I mean, it was so smooth. It was so peaceful. It wasn't forced. It wasn't controlled. It was spiritual. It was magical. And I don't know. That's all i got to say. It's just a beautiful process and I'm very grateful for it. But that I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Amy G, you're up. Amy? Hey, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Good morning, you. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for everyone on the line. Sorry, I have a big truck passing me here. This is so exciting. We're almost at the Promises paragraph. I can't wait. Woohoo! Because <laughs> it's just awesome. And I love this paragraph because it's so full of action. And I, I just love it. There's so many options of different things we can do here. We're in this process. We're making these amends. You know, we're seeing change. I mean, for me, the amends process is what paves the way for change in the present and the future. You know, I was seeing results by just going and doing what I was told to do and working with a recovered sponsor to decide when to make the amends, who to make them to, and if, you know, and how to go about it. I mean, there's such a wealth of uh, recovered um experienced folks in the program that gave you ideas. I had a number of people I needed to make amends to who were dead. I could never fully make the amends to them, but there were other options. There are so many different options. Write a letter, contribute to a, a charity in their name. I mean, there's any plethora of ideas. And then deciding on, you know, whether or not at what time would be a good appropriate time. I worked with a recovered sponsor. I was given action steps. I wasn't told to think about it. I was told to go and do it. I was acting my way into a new way of believing and a new way of thinking. And it was amazing, as others have said, the results that came from just praying to God and rowing to shore. 
and taking those action steps and making those amends. And this whole thing about being not being servile or scraping, my, one of my sponsors said to me, we are to be quick, courteous, and competent. And that's what I would say every time I'm walking into my amends. I'm going to be quick, courteous, and competent because I, w- I was prepared. I had worked with my sponsor. In some, some cases, I had to write down what I was going to say because I didn't feel that I would be able to do it without memorizing it. I was to be quick, courteous, and competent because I had to just focus on me, talk about what I had done, and then that was it. I had to leave the results up to God in every single circumstance, and even the ones that didn't go as, as I would have hoped or when I put myself in a position where I had expectations, and that got me in a whole whole boatload of trouble. Expectations are not a good idea when it comes to making amends. But still, it was used in a way that I could see my higher power at work in my life, and those seeds of faith began to grow, and I started to see change. I mean, in the vision for you, it says twice. When we read this every single day, it says clean up our house, put our house in order, and clean up the wreckage of the past. They're not kidding. These things have to happen for us to have the promises come true in our life, to see change, that personality change sufficient for recovery. And it's so exciting because here comes the promises. Here comes the result of our work. Here comes the result of our action, which is freedom and a new perspective and a purpose in our lives, to be of purpose to others and see outside of ourselves. It's so exciting because when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, all I wanted to do was to stop eating. And then I realized there's a whole new world out there, a whole new way to be, a whole new way to think about myself and be of service to others and have connection to a higher power. It is so awesome. So we're going to keep on keeping on here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Um, we're going to take three more shares on this paragraph before we move on. Uh, so who else would like to share? Janice M. I heard Janice M., Sally, and someone else prior to Janice. Christine M. Okay. Um, Christine M., you were not the person I heard, but I'll, I'll take you, Christine M. Okay. So we have um, Janice M., Sally A., and Christine M. Janice, well, good morning. Yes, good morning to you, Drew, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm going to look at that first part of this paragraph where it says, uh, there may be some wrongs we can never fully right. Well, it's given us a condition. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> manipulator, too, and I'm a compulsive overeater. One of my character defects is, um, you know, um, delusion. Well, you know, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Or say there are some wrongs I couldn't. So accept it. Accept it. I have to have acceptance here. Now, if we can honestly, and honestly is mentioned twice in this. And oh boy, I told, I mentioned I'm a very dishonest person. So I would kind of fool myself. I would say, well, you know, um, you know, maybe I can't. I would give some trivial reason why to procrastinate. And, um, you know, I was good at that. And uh, But, you know, working with the sponsor, like somebody said, they can see. We give them reasons and they can tell us right off. No, 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 that's procrastination, Janice. Or that's delusionment. You just don't want to do it. That's not honest. Um, but the point here is 
to be willing. I didn't even do my timing, so please um, do <laughs> tell me when to stop if I don't beforehand. Um, the the point here is a big word, and it, and it's and it's a thread through all my my uh, doing my steps is willingness. Am I willing to do it if I could? See, I think that's a big big key here. Is okay. Um, I can't do it. You know, and, 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 you know, I would say to some of my sponsees, well, what are the methods you tried to get to that person? And uh, then if they say certain things, I may come up with some more suggestions. And, um, yeah, they haven't tried that yet, so they'll try that. And when you exhaust all kinds of methods to try to get to that person, then we can make a conclusion that, yeah, you honestly tried. You're not procrastinating, are you? You know, um, there are conditions. You you have the willingness if 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 it was in front of you, and I think that's very important. You know, um, because sometimes there isn't. You try, you try, and try, and you and you just don't get anywhere. And then that's when we suggest a letter or whatever. And so with that, it's the honesty within ourselves. It's the willingness if we could. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Um, Okay, now we'll move on to Sally A. Sally, Thank you, Duke. Thank you, Duke. Good morning. Let me just turn on my timer here. Um, good morning, a vision for you at Sally A. in South Jersey. So I think this is a very important paragraph. It's giving us some very important conditions to, to uh, as we are wrapping up step nine, they're talking about some really important conditions. And what, what it speaks to me is, um, first of all, there may be some wrongs. And it speaks to the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. We can never fully write. I have no power. I have no ability to make someone accept my apology or my amends. I can't change other people's perspective of what happened. I can only go forth with being honest and direct, as Janice pointed out. If we see the word honesty twice in this paragraph, we don't worry about them if we can honestly and then it says we send them an honest letter so they're talking about honesty and so here again now we're at a point in step nine where i know for myself i was still getting weller and weller but i was still pretty sick at this particular juncture in my own recovery and so emotional balance which is something i'm working on now more than i did then I'm much more aware that that's where I'm supposed to be, working on emotional balance. And so I've learned that the emotional balance of step nine, of doing step nine, of making amends to other people, is that I do need to be honest and direct. At the same time, I'm told in page 91 of the 12 and 12, I'm told to have restraint of pen and tongue. And there's a really a sensitive balance between honest and direct and restraint of pen and tongue. Because I've got to go forward. I've got to say something. And let me tell you something. I'm continually having to make amends because I'm learning healthy boundaries toward other people and healthy boundaries to how they treat me. And so I, I find more and more that the pause of page 87, the bottom of the page, that talks about as we go through the day, we pause. That pause is more and more, more and more important. That I that I slow down, that I that I pause, that I ask God for God's timing because God's timing is so much better than mine. And may I just say that this is 
this is another important phase of where I really lean in on my on my sponsor because my sponsor I really believe is ahead of me. If my sponsor wasn't ahead of me, they wouldn't be my sponsor. And so I have to pause and I have to remember that this step nine calls for honest and direct, but at the same time it calls for restraint of pen and tongue. And I'm not that emotionally balanced. I lean in on my sponsor to help me with that. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. And we'll have Christy M. read, I mean, share on that, on that paragraph. Christy M., we can't hear you. Press star one to unmute. Yes, hi, everyone. This is Christine M., gratefully recovered in Missouri. And um, what I want to focus on is what really stood out to me is um, it says we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile and scraping. And the word humble stuck out to me because this isn't about me groveling and begging for forgiveness um, and acting like I'm the worst person in the world, you know, um, because the 12 and 12 talks about that pride in reverse. And that's exactly what that would be is pride in reverse because I was taught in this program by recovered people, whether I'm thinking of myself or how great I am or thinking about what a piece of crap I am, the focus is still on Christine and it's still selfishness and self-centeredness. So, um, you know, thank God that I have, um, you know, a recovered sponsor. And by recovered, I mean um, someone has been through the 12 steps, has had a spiritual awakening as a result, and who's actively living in steps 10, 11, and 12. And so, um, and... um, I'm so grateful that I also have other recovered women that I could run my amends by. I was taught to write out my amends before I make it, and um, I was taught to pray before I make the amends and um, invite God in, or invite God in with everything, but um, make sure that I'm definitely inviting God in with that. And um, it gives me freedom, you know. It um, it removes the roadblock so that God can come in and expel the obsession in step 10, And, um, you know, my son was murdered um, last year, and um, I haven't been to his gravesite yet, so I'm making a trip to St. Louis um, in a week, and I'm going down there to do a gravesite amends, and I have a letter written, you know, and um, I've gotten with God and asked God for direction. I've gotten with, you know, um, a sponsor, and so um, this is going to give me freedom. It can't... um, Erase the fact that I enabled my son in the lifestyle he was living, but um, I will get freedom. And each time that I do an amends, I get closer and closer to God. And because of that, I'm able to be of maximum service to God and to those about me, which is the whole purpose of this program. And um, another thing I just want to say, you know, it talks about it two different times in this chapter, it says, you know, in two different ways, but it says, you know, remember, it was agreed at the beginning that we were willing to go to any length for victory over alcohol or, in our case, food. Um, I have to be willing when I'm at this step to do the same things I was willing to do, even more um, that I was willing to do when uh, my ass was on fire and I first came in. So... um, I'm so grateful that these steps are here. I'm so grateful that, you know, I have this big book and sponsorship as a guide to um, show me exactly what to do. I don't have to fumble around in the dark and guess about what to do or how to do these things. It's telling me exactly what to do. 
So when in doubt, I can go back to this book and ask God for direction and get with you all who are recovered. Thanks for letting me share. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Um, we will resume our reading of the big book on page 83, the last paragraph. Where we're painstaking about this phase of our development, and I will ask Irini to begin reading. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you. Thank you, uh, Do for your loving service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Wow. There's so much here, and it's all so yummy and delicious. So I'll just focus on this phase of our development. And there's so many promises to this divinely written book. And here we have the nine-step promises, promises that came true, changes that began to manifest in my life, if and only if and when I was careful and diligent, and careful and diligent about what? about the phase of our development. So this is the process going steps one through eight. It's through this process that I began to be disciplined that gave me spiritual eyes and emotional maturity. It's through this process going through the steps that I began to change my attitude towards life. It is this very process that living and breathing the steps, I was blessed with God's grace that gave me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. It is this process, the principles, that taught me responsibility and gave me courage to change the things I can change. And it's this very process that that I was giving the gift of wisdom to know the difference. It's through these divinely written steps that gave me the power and the strength to start accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Wow. To start taking things as they are and not as I would have it. Believing and surrendering to thy will and knowing, not with my mind, but with the depths of my innermost being, 
that his will makes all things right. Yes. If I if I if I can do this, anyone can do this. And it's through this very process of living the steps that I have been awakened from the darkness itself. The living in the light and seeing and living in the truth. And yes, the truth always sets us free. It is our lies and our illusions that kept us in darkness, that kept us isolated, and that kept us in bondage of self. By meeting God halfway, I do my part, and the rest, thy will be done. Today I can say my brain has been rewired, therefore my thinking has been changed. I have been blessed with a new attitude. Believing is seeing the truth. And the truth always sets us free. This is what our, I was blessed with spiritual eyes. And then my heart has been softened and molded to what God would have me be, a loving, grateful servant, a channel of his grace, a reflection of his love, a mirror of his light. Thank you, God, and thank you, my dearest spiritual brothers and sisters. I pass. Hey, thank you, Irene. Uh, just, just a reminder to everyone, please keep your phone muted. Um, if you're not sharing, uh, please keep your phone muted. Star press star one to mute your phones to, in order to have a quiet meeting. Um, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted, okay? Um, we had a, a little bit of distraction there. Um, we're going to take a couple of more shares. Um, and we're going to be focusing our comments on the first two sentences there. If we're painstaking all the way up to uh, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Larry. Kim G. I'm sorry. Uh, I heard Larry K. And after that, I'm sorry. Uh, there's Nancy too many R. People. Kim Nancy G. R. And Kim G. Chris I'm sorry. Um, again, it's too many people. Um, who else? Chrissy G. Nessa R. Chrissy G. and Nessa R. Okay. Let's take those. Larry K., Nancy R., Kim G., Chrissy G., and Nessa R. Uh, Larry, you're up. Thanks, Stu, for your service. I'm Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, if we are painstaking about <clears throat> this phase of our development, you know, what phase are we talking about? Uh, you know, uh, step nine, you know, that was, you know, the, the action steps were in the chapter into action. And <laughs> these are these are definitive actions. These aren't conceptions. I thought they were just as I thought the promises were conceptions. I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought they were conceptions. I, I worship at the altar of data. I have my whole life. You know, I'm big on, on research. It's part of, you know, some of the things that I do for work. And I didn't, this sounded like a fairy tale to me, these promises that would start to come true for me in step nine. The problem for me was I did not work these steps, particularly these action steps in sequence. I dabbled. I you know, I kind of stuck my toes in the pool a little bit here. I worked really diligently and really hard on some of them, and then some of them I would drop off, and occasionally I'd pick up a little bit of food. Eh, it'll be all right. And, you know, and I kept um, 
I kept stepping on other people's toes. I kept binging my brains out. I did all these things. Um, finally, when I worked the steps in sequence, um, these promises came true. And it wasn't about science. That that kind of that that um, that was different for me because I, I I really thought you know this is this didn't this this kind of made me feel uneasy. These these ideas about you know, um, further on that God would do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, I wanted to know, you know, that, that if I would follow a certain process that, you know, again, it was, it was more about me and the selfishness that was me. I'm not that same man anymore. And so, yeah, when I, when you complete this process, I've seen this in other people. I've seen it in a few others, more than a few. I've talked to you. you, you it's happened for you, too. And it isn't about science. This is a spiritual program of action. God did do for me what I couldn't do for myself. It's real. It's the real deal. That's my experience. That'll pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Larry. Nancy R., you're up. Nancy R., press star one to unmute. Hi, Bill. Um, it, might, it might have been Nessa R that you um, that you heard first. Um, should I go ahead? Uh, I think it was Nancy R. Uh, but okay, Nessa R. I'll put you in the front. <laughs> Ted. Um, okay, thank you. My my name is Nessa R, and I'm recovered in Toronto, Canada. And um, I I wanna um, share on the on on the on two words if and painstaking. Um, because um, I've been in program over 13 years, and in those 13 years, I went to many, many, many meetings, um, face-to-face meetings, telephone meetings, all kinds of meetings. And in some of those meetings, they they read these promises as part of the the meeting format. Um, of course, these these promises were not identified as um, being read after um, uh, or coming after uh, step nine. And so I thought that if I went to a few meetings and I had some modicum of abstinence and I made a few phone calls and, you know, I did fellowship, that I would get and I, I would get these promises. And, of course, that wasn't the case. I mean, these promises never came true for me. Um, and this is where my, my sharing comes in in those two words. Um, if. This is a very big if. Uh, and to me, every time I read if in the big book, what I read is only, only by uh, being painstaking will I get these promises, which means um, I, I got to do the work. And not only I got to do the work, but I got to do the work painstakingly. And painstaking means um, to be diligent in terms of care and effort, to um, go through pain and trouble to make sure that I, I do the work um, thoroughly. And in doing the work thoroughly, it means that I got to follow the process. I cannot um, skip steps. I cannot jump ahead. I cannot go back. I have to do the steps in order. You know, this is, this is a process. And the steps have to be um, done in order, focused on each step, you know, at a time. Uh, only then 
when I get to step nine, will these promises come true? And, you know, that, that concept totally eluded me because these steps were always read out of context. And, of course, I wasn't doing any work. You know, I dabbled a little bit in the steps. I did a little bit of step four. I did a little bit of step five, skipped steps six, seven, and eight altogether, um, you know, made some apologies, no amends, but just apologies. And then I continued behaving the way I was always behaving, um, you know, creating even more debris that I then had to go back and do step four, five, and nine. Um, and these promises were never materializing at all for me. Um, you know, and uh, in a couple of paragraphs, in a paragraph or so, we're going to read, again, that these will materialize if we work for them. Again, if, only if we work for them. Um, now that I have worked for them, that I have gone through the whole process, and I'm still living in the process one day at a time in steps 10, 11, and 12, have I um, time to read the... Uh, um, the benefits, the beautiful results uh, that these promises um, bring. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Kinji, you're up, and I, I do believe you might be our last, read, uh, our last person to share. Thanks, Stu. Good morning, all. My name is Kinji. You know, I was thinking about these nine-step promises recently because Ness is right. We always read them at all the meetings. But I have to tell you, I came into OA to stop eating. And the promises that promised me I'm not going to want to eat anymore, I'm not going to want to have those alcoholic foods, are the 10th step so promises. So why have we been so focused on these nine-step promises? And I heard this perspective at a meeting. You know, when I'm restless, irritable, discontent, and I want relief, and I don't have a solution, I get that relief from the food. So when I read these promises, I think to myself, I'm going to know a new freedom and new happiness while I am eating. When I'm eating, I do not regret the pastor with the shut the door on it. When I am eating, I do not, and my whole attitude towards life and my outlook upon life will change. When I am eating, I lose fear of people and economic insecurity. So what I started to see was the reason I, I feel that a lot of us identify in with these promises is because we want the relief we had in the food that we can no longer get. The food's no longer working. This is what the food did for me. And when it stopped doing it for me, that's when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. You know, we're taught in the doctor's opinion, men and women drink essentially because we like the effect produced by alcohol. I got this effect from food and I got these promises. Now, I put down those foods. It doesn't mean I don't need the effect. I still need an effect. But what do the steps promise me? If I work these steps, if I put the food down 100% and work these steps, I can get the same effect I got from the food by working the steps in a connection with a higher power. Because the reality is my brain doesn't care how it gets relief. It just needs relief. When the food is down, life is so loud. How do I quiet down the insanity or the calamity that's in my brain? I've only known one way, and that's the food. But this step process is giving us another way. And the brain will get relief from the steps and from the connection with God just as willingly as it will get it from the food. So I think that was essential. When, Kim still needs an effect. And my choice is today, and I want to ask you guys where your choice is, are you going to get your relief? Are you going to get that effect from picking up the food or picking up the steps? Picking up the food 
or picking up the steps. Because once again, our brain doesn't care. And today, on a daily basis, I choose to get the effect of these promises by working the steps, getting connection with the power, and helping others find the same freedom that these glorious, glorious steps have given me on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Uh, okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, this brings us to a close of our meeting. And um, I'm sorry, <laughs> got a little distracted there. Okay, so this brings us to the close of our meeting. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to Team Friday and um, uh, Chrissy G and all others that um, would like to further share. We have, uh, please join us for a second hour of unrecorded study immediately following the closing, uh, which will give you that opportunity to um, hear your beautiful shares. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will now ask Katie G to read, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, everyone. Great to hear you. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Reader, Anorexic and Bulimic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.